If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where I talk to sports figures about anything and everything they like, just not sports. I am your host, Brad Burke, a sports marketer in Chicago. And on today's episode is someone who's been on my Just Not Sports bucket list from even before I had a Just Not Sports. That's right. I went and dug up my initial list of very early guest targets, and this gentleman was on it. That was from 2014. Eddie George, Heisman Trophy winner at Ohio State, NFL great running back, I would argue Hall of Fame running back for the Tennessee Titans for the better part of a decade, and someone who has just... I don't know, redefined themselves after sports, doing so much cool stuff. I can't wait to get into all of that with you today. So, welcome back. And a welcome back to me as well, because last week was our first episode of the new season. Rick Patino talking billions, talking horse racing. Thank you to everyone who got in touch. I uh, got a lot of really nice responses. People excited the show is back up. They liked the episode, so appreciate that. Also, I do appreciate the comments, the people who noticed the new logo, the new look for the new season. I felt a little bit like uh, when you get your hair cut, but it's a, it's a, just a trim, and you don't know if anyone's going to notice. I was kind of out there like, eh, are people going to like this? Are they going to know? Got some really nice feedback for it. Thank you very much. Shout out to my boy Alex at work for hooking me up with that logo, and all of my really annoying clipboard Brad uh, back and forth with him over the better part of a weekend as we made change after change after change. I think after email 34, we finally got the glowing hue part behind the uh, the, the, the knot uh, to be just right. So Alex, thanks for not murdering me at uh, 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Okay, enough about me. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Want to get into it with Eddie George. Had a chance to talk to Eddie. It was actually pretty classic. I gave him a call at the time, and he's like, yo, I'm in the middle of something. Just call me back in like five minutes. And I call him back, and he's like, you know what? This is running long. Like, let me call you back in like 30 minutes. And so I finally get in touch with him, and he's just like, man, I'm sorry. My life's just fully on the go. And so I, I think it was a great <clears throat> entree for where we were headed with the interview, which is just, dude, you do so much. Since his retirement from the NFL, this is someone who has been on Broadway in the show Chicago, someone who has done Shakespeare, has done Julius Caesar, who's done Othello, uh, someone who's gone toe-to-toe in a scene with The Rock in Ballers and held his own and screamed at him and cussed him out and gotten The Rock to leave the room. That's like my ultimate fantasy is like yelling so loud at The Rock that he has to leave the room. Fuck! Are you fucking nuts? Hey, listen, I know you filed a grievance against me. You look at it and file a fucking lawsuit. I nearly lost it when I heard that you, of all people, are trying to be a financial advisor. Do you even have an MBA? It's not like that at this place. Oh, really? These guys are bringing me along. They're showing me the ropes. I was told these fools made you the boss. So tell me, how does passing an accounting exam qualify you to handle these boys? Because I want to look out for them. Really? I want to be an astronaut. Does that qualify me to walk on the moon? I didn't try to lose your money. Mm. 
I fucking lost everything too. Did you live out your fucking car? No, but I still Did you live out your car for a year, Spence? Working a coffee shop. Did you think of throwing yourself off the side of the bridge? Because I've been up on a few. While I'm researching Eddie, I see he's got a degree in landscape architecture. And I think, hey, football player, Ohio State, he's just like, you know, maybe it's just like a jock course. But no, man. He's passionate about it. In fact, he opened up an entire business that was all about landscape architecture, and we break it down. Like, why did he get into it? What you know? Why is he getting out of it? Where is he going next? He's someone who's transitioning into wealth management. So, look, it's a really expansive interview. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I caught him leaving a meeting, so he's in the car for a little bit, but you can hear him pretty well. Um, he sounds great, and he, mostly he sounds happy. He sounds intellectually curious. He sounds like someone who has a lot more to do and a lot more places to go. Um, maybe even to Hamilton? Because as I previewed last week, I was like, Eddie, you got to play George Washington to Hamilton. And he did not disappoint. He went right into his audition and said, I've tried, boom, and hit me with it. So there it is. Bucket list, crossed off, Eddie George on the show, Mr. Heisman, Mr. NFL, Mr. Broadway, Mr. Shakespeare, Mr. Landscape Architecture, Mr. Wealth Management, Mr. Everything. Stick around right after. I'll give you what's distracting me this week, and I will preview our next episode. There's a lot of places to start with you. It's almost all-consuming because you do so many things and you've done so many things post-career. The thing that I find so fascinating is when you Google Eddie George now, you are instantly hit with this idea of you as the Renaissance man. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. when did it... I mean, do you feel that way? Do you feel like a renaissance man? Or is is this just like, hey, I'm just doing me. I'm out there just trying the things that that strike my passions. Well, I, I think taking try out of it, um, I'm doing it. Right. You know, it's not it's not about uh, trying new things just to try new things. It's uh, identifying what I'm passionate about and what I can be the best in the world at, what I can build a career around. And what it, on, on the surface, it looks like, well, he's he's acting, he's in finance, he's an entrepreneur. Well, you know, that's what the platform is. It's opened the, that, that many doors for me. And to say, well, I'm just going to focus and do one. I think that that shortens my potential on all that I can do. Um, I, I, I'm a professional in, in the financial world. I have a fully licensed um, I've acted on a Broadway stage. I continue to act. And that lends itself to, to opportunities. I don't act every day. I, I pick and choose various projects and uh, that I'm going to be a part of, whether that's in front of the camera or behind the camera and developing stories. So um, within that, um, that's kind of where I live. And if there's opportunities to um, be a passive investor um, in, in a, a project or to invest in um, something in an entrepreneurial level, I'm going to do that. So that's kind of how I live. I live under the entertainment umbrella, the education umbrella, and the entertainment umbrella, yeah. the inter- entrepreneurship umbrella. So th- those are my three E's, and that can spawn off into anything. You say here, you know, you're focusing on things you can be the best of the world at. You've already been at the highest level of athletic performance. And I, I read mm-hmm. an, a, a quote from you where you talked about the humbling nature of maybe restarting something and having to yeah. pick it up as you go. 
how yeah. hard is that when you when you first uh, when you first left football and you start to get into acting? You st- I mean, these are crafts. They're not just things that people do based purely on natural talent. Can, mm-hmm. Do you mind talking about what it was like to have to humble yourself and where you found the motivation to continue to push through till you found that level of mastery you were looking for? Well, um, I, I kind of started. It, it wasn't like I just said, okay, I'm going to start at point A. And it was a linear process. It was um, just really being quiet and being still, honestly, and 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 looking and observing to say, okay, Eddie, given what I've been through and what I love to do, um, what is the one thing that brings me joy? Because I played the game of football with joy, and I, I would have done mm-hmm. it for free, um, and I was able to um, have success doing that, and. I just couldn't go out and say, okay, I'm going to, I want to go from the football field straight to being a CEO, or I'm going to go straight from the football field to being on camera and uh, doing movies all across the world, um, just based off of being a celebrity. If I wanted to become an actor, I have to start at understanding the craft of acting and what that means. It means for me personally, starting off in theater, uh, respecting the work, respecting the artistry, respecting um, uh, this, the art of storytelling and, and how to do that um, in a truthful, honest way. And, uh, and going to classes, going to voice lessons, going to improv classes, going to theater classes, uh, doing cold reads and um, auditions on tape, all of that. So um, it, it is a very humbling process, especially when you go from one field at the mountaintop and you feel like you can, you need to bridge over to the next mountaintop. Well, <laughs> right. the reality of it is you've got to scale back down the facade of that mountain and go through the valleys and begin to, to scale back up if you want to have long-term success. And I did that in business. I went back and got my MBA 10 years ago from Kellogg. Um, school of management um, and I wanted to understand marketing I wanted to understand finance I wanted to understand entrepreneurship how to put deals together look at case studies and so forth and and really develop my mind to see the world differently so when I do uh, get into the world of entertainment is the entertainment business it's not just being the actor it's about understanding the business you know uh, it takes away the from you just being a pawn in a business, like much like a football player. Mm-hmm. You know, you get paid, play, you get paid very well, but you're expendable. Well, how can you not be expendable in the business now? You have to think about. I think about now recurring revenue, making money while I sleep. You know, as an actor, how do you do that? Become an executive producer, um, getting a TV show where you get um, residuals and royalties looking at different uh, um, um, business structures around you being the brand and as an actor and how you can bring in multiple revenue streams and lending your name and so forth and uh, and building it that way. So it was very important for me to do that. And some guys naturally can, uh, they don't need school. They don't, they don't necessarily have to have it. They have the right people around them. But for me personally, in my journey, that's what I had to do uh, to do it. And I enjoyed it. Let me go to the craft side of your acting career. And Mm -hmm. and, because like I grew up in a house, my mom did, uh, you know, musical theater. I got fired up when I was seeing you doing, you know, playing Billy Flynn and like getting a stage career off the ground. 
But let me start here. You mentioned going to improv classes, starting at the bottom. What was it like mm-hmm. when you walked into an improv class? You know, you're, you're, you're an NFL star. You walk in. When did you when did you kind of surrender yourself to the experience and just say, all right, <laughs> I just got to go with this. And people are looking at me funny, but but damn it, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, uh, I got with the acting coach and for two and a half, three years, I didn't get go in front of anybody. It was just one on one <laughs> working, you know, picking up scripts, picking up a newspaper and taking an article and making it come to life or reading print ads and telling a story reading, um, you know, children uh, story books uh, out loud and creating characters. So when I got into improv, uh, it, it was very, you know, it was it was humbling in the sense that I'm thinking, well, damn, people are looking at me like, oh, this is Eddie George. He's not he's trying to be an actor. <laughs> he's not really that funny. And what does he bring to the table? And they're looking at me cross eyed. And, you know, you got to get through all of that. But there's a moment when you uh, have to be honest and, and really bringing your true honest feelings in imaginary circumstances. Acting is not telling a lie. It's, it's, tell, it's being truthful in imaginary circumstances, telling the truth. And the more you can get to telling the truth within the story, you can allow your life experiences that you've gone through already to carry that through. And sometimes the spirit of that is really you become a you're a vessel, man. It's a spiritual experience. And I relate to that in the sense that the football is much of a spiritual experience. You know, the position of running back is one. That's where you have to impose your will. It's not about just getting the ball and making a couple of people miss and, and, and running over somebody. It's taking over a game and identifying weakness in a defense or in a certain player and attacking that allowing your conditioning and all the physical work that you put into it to take over and not think. So it's a a spiritual experience. It's an out-of-body, in-the-zone type of thing. And much like as an actor, once you get off the script and you're not worried about the words or worrying about how somebody's going to say something to you, you have have an actor, as an actor, you you have a, a goal in mind and you you have to get to that goal you have an objective and it may take for you to kill people it may take you to love somebody it may take you to manipulate somebody it may take you to build up somebody but you have to do that coming from an honest place you know so it's really truly about being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be open to the possibility to be truly naked on stage whether it's singing crying dancing laughing um Whatever it takes, you have to be willing to go there and, and not force it or manipulate it. You know what I mean? Not yeah. try to look good doing it. You may be ugly in doing it, snot flying everywhere, spit coming out of your mouth, <laughs> you know, sweat flying. And uh, it, it, it really is an exhaustive thing. So um, I, I say all that, that you, it's a very spiritual thing that I've always had. So it's like this, man. I, I understand the blueprint of success that made me have the that allowed me to have the career that I had playing football and I'm just translating that over now to understand a completely different discipline a different craft and taking that same energy and approach into that yeah you you, you talk about channeling your own inner truth uh, I, I know actors who who like to think about specific 
you know, traumatic events when they're trying to cry yeah. or pull out negative emotions? Do you have like a go-to, like, you know, pet got sick or something like that that you need to lean on when you need to, to stir up some tears? Or what what, what motivates you? Where, where, what gets you into that headspace? It depends on the project. depends on the moment. Uh, it's right. not one thing that I, that I draw on um, uh, to, to draw up a certain emotion or, or I have to cry here. I may not cry. I may like, it may be something where um, if I'm talking about, um, let's say for instance, uh, I love chocolate, right? And, and there's a monologue where I'm talking about the love of my life. You know, I'll, I'll talk about it like I'm talking about creamy smooth chocolate. My wife is, is so beautiful and, <laughs> and I love her deeply and, and I, there's nothing in the world I would never do. You know, so that's kind of where I kind of draw from. I'm very weird in that way. And there's so many ways to create your character. You know, one thing that I, I like to do and building my character is say, okay, if let's say Richard III in Shakespeare, okay? Let's say if Richard, if Richard were an animal, what type of animal would he be? Uh, let's say he's a tarantula. Oh, okay. A tarantula is black. It's it's it has long arms. It's creepy. It moves a certain way. There's a sex appeal about it. There's something majestic about and deadly about the tarantula. So I try to make movements like him. And I'll say, okay, if he was a color, hmm. you know, in terms of personality, what color would he be? Is he red? Is he green? Is he purple? Purple is royal. Purple is represents uh, royalty. Red is very energetic and vibrant and, and going after you. Yellow is uh, is bright and, and, and flighty and, 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 and above the clouds. And, and green is very in the earth and grounded. So uh, I try to bring all those elements in, in my own personal experiences and tell the truth and let go in those moments. I mean, all that stuff is done away from the stage and then you just go out there and you do it, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> it's, it's like, it's like you, you practice all week, you, you're on the field, you're doing all the cuts, but then you get out there and things don't go as planned. You just got to trust the process and trust the work and let it fly. And then there's a moment within the play when it just kind of clicks, when you realize what you're saying, like, man, you know what, this is a real moment and people hang on your every word and the other actor is, is responding to that. And that's that's kind of how it goes. I, I love doing that process. I love it. Yeah. I mean, on stage, you have a relationship with your fellow actors. But and I think a lot of people may not understand this. You have a relationship with the audience and it's unique oh, no and it's and it's and it's there. And, and you have to figure out how to process that. How was how would you describe the relationship you have with the audience um, on stage and where do you find comparisons or differences with with the relationship you had with with the crowds that watched you your entire NFL career? Well, um, the, it depends if you're at home, well, if you're at home, if you're staking up the place, they'll boo you. If you're winning, they'll <laughs> cheer. If you're on the road, they'll boo you. And if you're winning, they'll still boo you. Uh, so you, you feed off of that, but much like, um, in a play, the audience is very much a part of it. Uh, their energy, you feed off of that, like Chicago, for example, uh, the musical, the more interactive, the more that you're having a good time and the audience is having a good time, it's a great show. But if right. they're on their hands and they don't clap and they're not engaged, it makes you working your ass off to try <laughs> to get them to get something, you know, because what you can't get caught up in is like, okay, 
people laughed at this line last night and then no one laughs. It can kind of throw you off. Yeah, right. You just got to keep going. <laughs> so there, there have been times uh, when, you know, you look in the audience and somebody's in the front row dead asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's like, okay, let's try to wake this person up tonight. You know, so <laughs> it's cool. Uh, one quick story. Uh, I was doing Othello um, yeah. a few years ago. And there's this, there's a part in the play where I have to go slap Desdemona, and it was during uh, the morning, and we we're performing for a bunch of high school kids. And you know how high school kids can be—they come in these plays and they just fall asleep, and they'll get the cliff notes and do what they have to do to, to, to get their grade. So uh, I, I come to the part when I'm kind of losing it, and 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 Desdemona—I'm thinking she's screwing around on me. And I go and slap her. And the slap was so real that one of the kids said, oh, my God, <laughs> shit just got real up on that stage. <laughs> and I kind of chuckled to myself. And I chuckled in a, in a crazy way. So I was, I was still in character. But that's the type of stuff that you get, you know, when you play with an audience. And that's the beauty of playing in theaters that you get an instant reaction and people will respond to that in a real way shakespeare i mean you've done you've done othello you've done julius caesar clearly you've done you've done big broadway with chicago what is there a difference in your process when you're looking at musical comedy versus like shakespearean drama and and how you get into character and process because i mean look clearly there's a difference in the prose in the cadence for an actor when you're talking about shakespearean uh texts but is there a, just a different mindset with weighty drama as opposed to a show like Chicago, a crowd pleaser? Much like, you know, in a musical, you know, uh, singing the songs, it's heightened language, it's heightened speech it's in Shakespeare. So uh, I, I try not to get into trying to make it sound good, like uh, the prose and, and, and the iambic pentameter and, and uh, you know, four score in seven year. I try not. I try to stay away from that. Right. I just try to to tell. I learn it through. I am as examiner and prose, but it's delivered, and the intention is. I understand what I'm talking about, and here's how I'm going to affect you. Here's how I'm going to get my goal. How I'm talking to you right now, but it's just done in the king's language. So everything is. I treat it the same when it comes to uh, different parts. Uh, different characters. Yeah, and you know we've seen you. You, you clearly you've been branching out into TV, into movies. Do, do you ever want to revisit the stage? Because I mean, look, I, I just saw Hamilton last week, and and I was saying to my wife last night, I'm like, Eddie George has got to play George Washington one day. He'd be like the perfect <laughs> George Washington. You know what's funny? I uh, I auditioned for George Washington about a year ago. Oh, two really? Years ago, before they went on um, uh, did their tour around the country, and obviously I didn't get it. Uh, but I would love, I, I still know the rhymes. I still know the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's my stuff, man. I, I saw Hamilton too. And, you know, maybe, you know, the, the right time, the right opportunity, the right place, they'll, they'll allow me to come and do it. But, um, listen, you know, in the realm of entertainment, it's, it's a wide open door. I'm not, I refuse to put myself in a box to say, well, all I'm going to do is do stage. All I'm going to do is movies. To, I'm doing it all. You know, I want yeah. to be able to, to host, to do TV, to do theater. Um, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis, uh, even Al Pacino, they all go back to Broadway yeah. if they're not doing a movie. They perfect, they're perfecting their craft as an actor. 
That's the actor's medium. That's the dojo. That's the workshop. That's where you build your chops. You know, um, every night you're working seven days a week, <laughs> you know, five day, five show weekends is where you get into the grit and the grind of it. It's like three a days or two a days of football where you're showing up, you're dead tired, your voice is gone. Um, you have laryngitis, you're sick, you don't feel like doing it. But somehow or another, you get on up the energy, you're building stamina. And um, and and you're 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 going through it, and that's how you do it as an actor. So um, I look at it completely different than say, well, all I'm gonna do is just theater, television, and movies. Yeah, and look, you you, you know, you turned a lot of heads with your performance against you know Dwayne Johnson and Ballers. Uh, what was that like going toe to toe with one of the biggest, you know, movie stars? And, and, yeah. and that, I mean, clearly you were, you were a showstopper. It was a, it was a, it was a magnetic role and, and, and you talk about real, I'm just wondering like, how much did you channel the real issues you've, I'm sure you've seen with so many uh, of the people you played with when you yeah. talk about financial issues and just the, the sort of the cataclysmic shifts that can happen post career, what was your process like? And, and when, yeah. and how did he, what was he like as a scene partner? Well, you know, Dwayne um, in the beginning is like, fuck, I'm with, this is The Rock, man. I love this. <laughs> this is the dude. Like, this is the dude, you know? And, and I'm trying not to be all fanboy. And I'm like, damn, it's very intimidating, you know, going, to, going with The Rock. But he's very, very generous and gracious and patient. And that scene, uh, for me, um, I drew off of, um, personal experiences uh, that I've had in my past where somebody took got money from me and, and swindled me out of a deal and um, you know I just wanted to really bring that real raw emotion and actually during those takes I kind of lost where I was because I was caught in the emotion of it and I, 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 I forgot my lines because I was so emotionally into it and I was so pissed off and um that's kind of what I did. So I kind of forgot, you know, it was Dwayne. And I, and I imagine I was telling, approaching this person that hurt me dearly, a good friend of mine, my own personal experience of what I would say to him and how I would say it to him and how I felt at that time. So it was very real for me, but Dwayne got the bun of that. And uh, <laughs> I, I so badly wanted to uh, do more with him. Unfortunately, you know, they were like, oh, you did a great job, but you're not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, next season, man, next season. Uh, yeah. And, and but by the way, you're going to be touring as Washington before you know it. So, um, uh, you know, we got <laughs> to work out the time. Look, John Legend just picked up his EGOT. We need you to get the EGOT because with the Heisman, you'll be the first he got, which I think there would be the, the ultimate, the ultimate in awards, <laughs> in awards branding. <laughs> That's true. Hey, there will be no one with a he got. No <laughs> one with a he got, right? You got to trade, and you got to trademark that right now. I can see T-shirts know, going right? tomorrow. Right, that that would be that's that that would be the ultimate goal to get a he got. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> I got a he got, and what you got is what you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm noticing a lot of interesting projects in the hopper. Um, what what are you excited about, and what what even can you talk about at this point from an acting perspective? 
Um, acting perspective, uh, right now I'm doing Chicago the Musical again coming up uh, in Dallas, Cleveland, and Chicago in 2019. I'm in Chicago, so I'm gonna be. You you know I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, I'll be I'm, the one. Yep. I, I will be the one being like, damn, it just got real on stage, like yelling that up to you. <laughs> and uh, I have a, a reading of Richard the Third, um, a table read of that in November. And then I'll be doing Top Dog Underdog with Nashville Rep here in Nashville, Tennessee um, in the spring. And um, I'll be auditioning for um, hopefully um, a Netflix film, a movie and, and TV shows, pilot season and throwing my hat in the ring for that, trying to find an opportunity there. So that's kind of what I have in mind for that. And, and yet acting is just one thing that you do. I mean, you, you have all these other uh, business ventures. And you mentioned getting the MBA at Northwestern. I mean, that is that is no joke. I got a lot of friends who have gone through Kellogg. It's intense. What, yes. was that, what was that process like going back and getting your MBA at you know, one of the top business schools in the country? Um, I like to say it's the top. But that's, <laughs> that's just my, my, you know, it was, um, again, it's being comfortable and being comfortable in the uncomfortable. And, uh, again, I said, well, if I'm going to go get my, my business, my MBA, I'm not going to do it online. I'm not going to go to the university of Phoenix. I, I'm not, I didn't want to go to a local school. I wanted to go to the biggest and the best, you know, the Harvard's, the Stanford's, the Wharton's or Kellogg and put myself in a position where I can learn from great minds and great people around the world and, and be tapped into that network. And the process of getting there was tough. You know, I was, I, I, you know, initially they, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I think wasn't, um, I didn't get in. They said, well, you know, based off of your, your GPA from college and your, 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 your academic background, you know, you need to have more um, experience in accounting and finance. And why don't you go to, um, you know, community college or a local school in Nashville, take some classes, some courses, and we'll revisit a year from now. And that's what I did. I went to Belmont University. I took accounting and finance classes and I got all A's and I reapplied and they put me in. And it was a struggle at first because it was really like trying to understand uh, Chinese for the first time in my life and, and, and being caught up to that, like reading case studies and extracting out the numbers and, and breaking down uh, operations and uh, understanding bottlenecks, uh, looking at um, a performa and, you know, finding out, you know, where the money's missing and uh, where they can improve at in certain areas. I mean, all of that stuff was really uh, intimidating and getting on Excel and, and breaking all that stuff down, um, it, it, it was it was difficult, but I relished in it because it was it wasn't necessarily the classroom where I was getting learning. It was outside of the classroom with my classmates from different industries and different backgrounds, different uh, different disciplines um, from across the world, from India, China, Russia, uh, um, from the banking industry, entrepreneurs, um, uh, healthcare, finance. And just learning uh, how they see the world and the business world and where it's going and, and creating synergies and partnerships, you know, that relationships that still exist to this day. So um, it was a wonderful experience for me. Yeah, I mean, you, you know that, I mean, they should have let you in just based on the fact that you, you crushed them in college a couple of years. <laughs> and th I think, didn't they, didn't they get into the Rose Bowl just because they didn't play you guys the one year? 
Absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, they went undefeated in the Big Ten. We lost to Michigan on the last game, and we didn't play them that year. And they were a really good football team. That's yeah. the only time they went to the Rose Bowl was that year, and uh, that was – that was crushing. So they owed me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, you, you, you've done like everything from, you know, uh, clearly you, the, the way you're, you're, you're using your business savvy to guide your acting choices to your, la- your, your landscape architecture company. Is that something you're still involved in? Well, uh, that was my first business and that was, uh, I went to school for that. And actually I went to get my MBA to, to figure out how I could help develop and grow that business. And once I realized that, it's not a growth business. It's it's a service business, and that's probably mm-hmm. as far as I'm gonna go. That's kind of what I said. Well, I may need to draw something else uh, for because I'm not gonna sit down and draw out plans. That's not where my my strength was. It was developing relationships from uh, developers to uh, entrepreneurs, architects, and 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 creating projects and opportunities. And I okay. From a personal perspective, I need to grow. So uh, I was bought out about a year and a half ago. Uh, I still sit on the board um, uh, as a founder, and I help direct um, in terms of overall business. Let me ask you this: Wh- Where do you want to go from here, from a business perspective? Um, you know, what, what else? What else are you envisioning for? You know, in terms of you clearly have a, a an, an you know a, a sense of entrepreneurship, a, a desire to be expanding your your own scope and the things that you're doing. So how are you focusing your what seems to be your natural energy and intellectual curiosity towards key projects that you feel like are are going to prime you for development and growth in the long term? Well, um, right now, my business is wealth management. Uh, That's what I do now uh, from a business standpoint. I got my Series 766 license, the Edward George Wealth Management Group. Uh, We have our website. You can go look at that. I, my my partner is my, my personal financial advisor and um, my former teammate, Matt Calhoun. And right now is developing that business and getting assets under management. Right now we're working with some really great corporations, um, specialty groups, um, high net worth individuals, uh, certainly some athletes. And it's a world that I know very well. And it's a way for me to leverage my Rolodex and create business opportunities and and really help other people uh, based off of my experiences in terms of uh, my my years being playing football and and so forth. So that's kind of what I've been able to do and just really focus on that and, and really grow on this business um, at this point in time. That's my number one priority. I also saw you signed a deal with the, with the Fan Health Network, the Robert Smith's like personalized training system. Um, when he calls you up to say, you know, come on board with this, does he just like sing you the Ohio State fight song until you say, fine, I'll do it? Or, or what, what's the approach? No, it's it's constant calling. It's the, <laughs> it's the harassment. It's, dude, you got to do. And that's your friend. I know Robert since I've been in college. That's my boy. And anything I can do to help him get his, his deal off the ground, this is his baby. And I just serve as a, um, as a, um, as a, as a, as a as an ambassador for it, and uh, and I have some equity in it, um, not a whole bunch of heavy lifting, but uh, again, it opens up the door for new opportunities. And if this thing explodes uh, the way I think it can explode, 
I think everybody wins. It's a win-win across the board. How's your fitness regimen changed post career? I saw you post an Instagram pics of like you squatting four hundred pounds. Like, are you? But oh, yet, you I know, ain't doing that. Yeah, but you've done. You've put out. You've put out like DVDs on on yoga, and I'm uh-huh. sure you you've dabbled in a, a wider variety of of fitness, right? Yeah, I changed up. Like today, I up and I got some laps in. Um, uh, on in the pool. I do yoga. I still run. Um, I try to change it up as much as I can to stay active, walk, hike. Uh, I don't run as much as I used to. Just trying to take the pounding off my back and joints and, and knees. Uh, so I try to I try to uh, mix it up every now and again to keep it fresh. Well, man, you've been great. I appreciate all the time. We love everything you're doing. And I tell you what, look. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Lynn manuel is a, uh, a listener. If you want to give me some George Washington, if you still know it, you know, <laughs> hit me with it. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, uh, can I be real a second? For just a millisecond, let down my guard and tell the people how I feel a second. Now, I'm the model of a modern major general, the venerated Virginia veteran whose men are all lining up to put me up on a pedestal, writing letters to relatives, embellishing my elegance and eloquence. But the elephant is in the room. The truth is in your face when you hear the British cannons go boom. Any hope of success is fleeting. How can I keep leading when the people I lead keep retreating? We put a stop to the believing as the British take Brooklyn. Night takes Brooklyn, but look. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's great with no 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 prompting. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you not get that? How'd you not get that, man? I don't know. I guess I wasn't tall enough, man. My rhyme <laughs> skills aren't good enough. I was not too smooth, man. Oh, so. That's great, man. Well, look, dude, this has been so much fun. Thank you for everything, and uh, and, and keep at it. We'll tell all of, our, all of our listeners to keep following you on Instagram, on Twitter, and, and checking out what, you, what you've got going on and, and and break a leg my friend all right my man have All a good right. one home in the morning you dig it you sit for down of the morning i'm gonna chase you out of earth you sit for down of the morning i'm repping every hood claiming a murder capital you sit for down of the morning i'm gonna chase you out of earth we are back in the sports world athletes coaches media they all do really interesting things and then we tell them stop being interesting go back to watching game film you are not supposed to have a life outside your sport this is insanity so on this show every week i try to celebrate the things that are distracting me uh to honor those uh those uh, locker room distractions that we uh we give such a hard time to athletes about so this week, a little bit of a dual distraction and preview to next week. And I only do this not in a self-serving way uh, to sort of uh, uh, placate my, my next guest, but actually my next guest uh, kind of spun out of my actual interest, my actual distraction here. So I'm a big fan of The Ringer. We've had plenty of Ringer alums on the show, Shea Serrano, Amanda Dobbins, Mark Titus, Brian Curtis twice. Plenty of Ringer talents have graced uh, these airwaves. And I recently got back, and I recently got into this podcast series called Halloween Unmasked. So, look, this is expected. I love horror movies. I love listening to horror movies. I love podcasts about horror movies. Shout out New Flesh. Um, shout out that Hellraiser podcast I listened to after Violet was born that I, I, I went like fifty episodes deep into. I don't know what I was thinking. That was a complicated year, guys. That was a that was a tough time. Um, 
But, you know, Halloween Unmasked is a, a new show from The Ringer. It's their first ever scripted podcast, and it's hosted by Amy Nicholson. Amy Nicholson's someone I have also talked about in the old iteration of the show. I loved her work on the podcast The Canon uh, back when she did that. I like her new show with Paul Shear. Uh, Unspooled, where they go into the best movies of uh, all time, or the, the AFI's, I think, top 100 films of all time, uh, and break them down. I like her writing, her film criticism, that, and she's hosting this show that, that breaks down the history of the Halloween franchise. And what I love about it is it's just not uh, only sort of fluff about, oh, the movie was so great and so iconic and such a cultural phenomenon. Each episode takes a different track. She's done one where she went deep with Jamie Lee Curtis, but also broke down the sort of history and problematic parts of the idea of the final girl. Uh, there was an episode where, you know, she's she's breaking down the sequels and what came after Halloween, which I really enjoyed. I, I got a lot of love for those sequels, man. And once upon a time, I did interview Tommy Lee Wallace, the director of Halloween 3, a.k.a. the Halloween that does not have Michael Myers in it. That's a crazy story. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, the podcast gets into all of that. And, and, and honestly, I was having so much fun with it that I, I reached out to Sean Fennessy, the editor-in-chief of The Ringer, someone who's just super respected in sports journalism. And I said, hey, Sean, you know, earlier this year we were talking about you coming on the show. We couldn't make it work schedule-wise. Why not come on and, and break down horror movies? He's done a lot of interesting writing about horror movies recently. The Ringer just launched this new podcast series. And when they did, they did all these like big, deep pieces about different parts of the horror movie industry. And Sean did an entire piece about what would happen if every year since Halloween came out, we'd given out an Oscar for best horror movie. And I was like, you got to come on the show. We got to break down this story. It's super fun. And here's a quick taste of Sean breaking down the odds and ends of trying to give out a horror movie Oscar every year. Do you have a favorite year? I mean, I look at like 1999 with, with Blair Witch, Sixth Sense, Audition. I look at 2017, Get Out, It, you know, Gerald's Game, which was very underrated, or even 86 with The Fly and, and Henry, which is another kind of disturbing <laughs> disturbing film that if you can get through is 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 very is very impactful. What what was there a year or two that stands out as just this is the pinnacle? Yeah, I was gonna say '86. I like '86 a lot because I love the fly. I put Blue Velvet on this list too, which is <laughs> yeah. not a traditional horror movie, um, but is also kind of stretching the definition of that. You know, Henry has always been. Um, uh, I don't. I can't remember when I first saw it, but it it, it fucked me up. Um, Henry is <laughs> it's it a complicated movie. Um, even something like From Beyond, which is in that sort of gory, messy, um, macabre, sort of surrealist field, uh, I think is like a really fun rewatch as an 80s artifact. So that would be that would be pretty high up there. Um, you know, I think it's hard to argue with 82. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, the Poltergeist, the Thing Showdown, and, and Argento's Tenebrae, and, and Paul Schrader's Cat People, and Creepshow, which is also kind of in that, that vein of the horror comedy thing that I, I like so much. So, you know, those are just a couple that I think are good. That's next week. Stay tuned for more. In the meantime, check out Halloween Unmasked, uh, Amy Nicholson's new podcast on The Ringer. Want to wrap up giving a shout-out to Eddie George. So much fun. Bucket list guest. Really excited to have him on. Really excited for what comes next. More acting, more business, Something else? Who knows, man? But Eddie George, thanks for making the time. I expect to see you in Hamilton at some point in my lifetime, my friend. I am keeping the faith. And with that, we will see you next week 
I'm Brad Burke, and in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay booty. Yeah,